This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacey.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Woo! Hello! Hello! How are you? I am well. The sun Good. is shining. How are you? Lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sleepy today, but the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Mm. Happy days. All Happy good. days. Happy. And um, just a real kind of added extra this week, I've remembered to plug in my microphone properly. <laughs> I was going to say, because I heard it back and I was like, oh, she sounds a bit different this week. Yes, I found out the, later that evening that um, uh, the cable had come out the back of it. So. Oh, that little <laughs> cheeky cable. Yeah, so we're all good. Hopefully this sounds a lot better. This, you watch, well, it'll sound terrible now, won't it? But um, <laughs> hooray, we are back. And you've been away, haven't you? I have. I had five nights away in the Cotswolds. Oh, jealous. Oh, it was so lovely. And yeah, I just, I always forget how beautiful the Cotswolds is until you're actually there visiting the little kind of market villages. Yeah, that it pretty. Was it busy or was it? No, no, it wasn't pretty. So we kind of jumped around pretty. a little bit. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. pretty. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, Alex. No, it was absolutely god awful. Um, no, it wasn't busy. It wasn't busy at all. It was very chilled out. Nice. Oh, I love the Cotswolds. And whenever we go, it's often in the summer and it's horrifyingly busy. And uh, so, how nice to go and explore without uh, without all the crowds. Exactly. And how's your week been? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it's been good. I can't remember. Yeah. What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> every, well, every day seems like the, the previous one at the minute. So, yes, I think it's been fine. I can't really remember. I think I've been out and about a bit and also not out and about a bit. I think that's where I'm at. Yes. Yes, it's all good. Good. <laughs> Let, let's let's go with everything's fine because I can't remember otherwise. <laughs> Anyone else having that problem? Just brain leaking out of their ears during lockdown. 
Because um, I know I am. Anyway. Oh, I'll tell you what I did last week. Actually, was that before last week's podcast? I went to Ham- um, Highgate Cemetery, which was lovely. Oh, I think you were doing that after the podcast. Was I? Yeah. Oh, oh so nice. Nice. So beautiful. So there is... um. Uh, I took loads of pictures and there's uh, I've got a little blog I've got a photo blog and, and there's a photo blog section on it with loads of great pictures well I say great pictures <laughs> amazing pictures taken by me um, just about loads of amazing little tombs loads of animals on tombs and and weird kind of um, crazy people and, and, and some just some really fun stuff there's a bit of the Berlin Wall there there's um, oh there's these amazing kind of grade two listed avenues it's just spectacular so uh, i had a way of a time with my camera really enjoyed it fabulous because now i think you told me this the east and the west side is now open yes so normally the west side you can only go around with uh, a guided tour uh, but at the minute because of covid they're trying to keep everybody you know um, far apart you're just allowed to go and wander around which you're not normally so uh, take advantage because we don't know if that's going to stay that way or if it's going to um revert when you know when we're back to normal or not so if you're in london and you fancy you know it sounds weird to say go to a cemetery for a day out but it's so lovely for a fun day out fun have a look at the out. tombs i know um, but it yeah, is as really you say it. you know with like the animals and the depictions it's quite fun kind of guessing who this person might have been just by yeah. the way that their tomb was designed absolutely and it's really yeah just a really great spot so um i rec- highly recommend going and uh we, i think we spent nearly about three hours there just two bloody hell on, looking yeah so definitely worth it so if you want to see some pictures go and have a look at my blog um which has got some little pics of some things things what i saw up there yeah so there nice. we go nice well it's podcast time it's enough of it us catching podcast up podcast time <laughs> what are we so... doing this week oh well no last week oh we, wait we, hang on we, a minute gosh you've been away on holiday i've <laughs> i've lost my mind i can't remember what we're doing podcast pedestal we need to finish don't we from last week we do and i am trailing behind like there's no tomorrow (laughs) um yes so if you would like a reminder of of our pickings well actually a reminder of yeah exactly go listen to last week why haven't you already (laughs) um no last week Alex, you spoke about a wonderful woman. Oh, I love her so much. She's so good. Angela Burdett Coots. Really, mm. yeah. Fascinating story. And I love her gumption and her kind of, um, her, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do this. And I just, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant woman. Yes. Um, so what was your pick for Podcast Pedestal? So my pick was the King's Quote. So there was a quote by King George the Seventh. Mm-hmm. And he basically spoke about how Angela was uh, almost like his mother. Yeah, he said, after my mother, she's the most remarkable woman in the kingdom. Yes. Which is rather lovely. What a compliment. I know, right? So I went for that. And you went for? I went for the anonymous donation. So she gave so much money uh, to a whole variety of causes. And I particularly love the the fact that she would give away money to people that we we don't even know who they are. Mm. uh, Because she just wrote in a book, donation and then the amount. So the fact that she wasn't doing this for fame and glory, she was doing it because she really felt that those uh, people needed that money um didn't really matter she would just write it down so it's gone out of the account but you don't need to know where it's gone which i think it's just it's lovely it's lovely what a lovely lady yes i think that was a very good pick um to the point that i think that you have won this week okay i have yes (laughs) (laughs) God, I really so need to work on my build-up, Punch me I? in the gut when I'm not <laughs> expecting it. 
I need to work on my build-up. But yes, Whoa, I did okay. It was close again. It was 41 to 48. 41 so to 48. Okay, yeah. that's not too bad. It's not too bad. To be honest, I am, I'm fine with it because, as I say, I think that your pick was pretty good. Thank you. Um, and roll on next week. That's all roll I can on. say. Yeah, absolutely. Roll on. So what are we at now? Is that... It's just too upsetting to even talk about Alex. To be honest, <laughs> until I get until I get I a few more wins under my belt, I won't be uh, <laughs> disclosing the uh, the scores. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's just really affecting me yeah. right now. You're basically um, winning, and winning. that's all anybody needs to know. Yeah, amazing! Yay! All right, all right. <laughs> so, where are we off to this week? So last week, the Wheel of Destiny landed in Mayfair, an absolutely again. scrumptious area. Again, it just cannot stop landing in that I've area. I've not had a Mayfair, I don't think, actually. You've had, what, three Mayfairs now? This is my third Mayfair. <laughs> Although one of my Mayfairs was a bit cheeky because the smog yeah. was everywhere. Really um, you squandered but- a Mayfair squander mayfair but this mayfair is about a gentleman a gentleman named norman hartnell lovely and that is one word isn't it hartnell <laughs> yes yeah, sorry i don't know why i did a bit of a pause in between there there's no dash or anything no it's norman hartnell just over dramatizing so norman hartnell who he is yes. uh so well do you know anything about him alex have you heard of this man i have uh norman hartnell was a dress designer to uh, HMQ, the Queen, and uh, as far as I'm aware, amongst other things, designed her wedding dress and her coronation dress, I believe. Oh, stop giving the game Sorry, away. you did ask. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yes, that, that's what he's known for, but he's a very intriguing character. Um, so I'm going to talk about Norman Hartnell, who had his office and workshop in Mayfair. Um but, you know, as we always do, we'll start from the beginning. He was born in London, born in 1901. Um, his parents were landlords of a pub. Good lad. Good lad, honestly. I'd, I'd love that. Good person That'd be to know. lovely. Yeah. Having parents that were pulling pints. Um, and this was a, a pub which was in Streatham called the Crown and Scepter which coincidentally, well, it's no coincidence, it was named, uh, his biography, The Crown and Scepter, which is wonderful because he has so many connections to the royal family, but at this point when his parents owned the pub, they had no idea. The only connection was the name. Yeah, the only connection was the name. Um, From a young age, and we're talking, you know, kind of 12, 13, he'd be in his bedroom and be looking at his wallpaper, which was white background and brown cows, and he hated it so much <laughs> that he decided to design his own wallpaper. Brilliant. <laughs> it's like, this is disgusting. Why am I looking at these brown cows? This Amazing. is unacceptable. <laughs> now, eventually he goes to Cambridge. Uh, he studies at Magdalen College. And this is where he starts to get the fashion bug. And it's while at Cambridge University that he starts to design and create costumes for the Cambridge Footlights. Oh, very mm. famous. Very famous. So if you don't know the Cambridge Footlights, um, it was basically a, a dramatic club, which is still going today. Yeah, it still is, yeah. Yeah, formed in the late 1800s by students at Cambridge. And they put on all sorts of performances. And, and it's, it's a real springboard for people's careers, isn't it? Mm, there have been some yeah. very, very big names 
um, associated with uh, the Cambridge Footlights. Definitely. People like Stephen Fry. Emma Thompson. Yep, Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Um, So he started designing costumes for the theatre productions and the press who would come to see these shows said, God, these costumes are absolutely incredible. Norman Hartnell has clearly got, um, you know, a career ahead of him for designing. So he read this and thought, well, yes, I do. Sod Cambridge, I'm (laughs) off. (laughs) So thank you very much. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) So he dropped out of university. Really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he headed back to London and he started working with a few designers. This is, you know, kind of in his early 20s. And one designer who was pretty big on the scene at the time who he worked with was a woman called Lucille. That was her kind of designer name, if you like. Her real name was Lucy Lady Duff Gordon. Oh, I know that name. Yeah. 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 Come on, so, great name as well. <laughs> Lucy Lady Duff Gordon. She um, popularised the breathable corset. Course. Love it. Um, and she survived the Titanic. Great. Which I love. She sounds great, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, but Norman had to take legal action against her because she didn't credit his work. Oh, really? Yes. That's a bit cheeky, isn't it? That's a bit cheeky, Lucille. That's a bit cheeky. Um, and then he decided, I mean, this is when he's kind of, you know, creating all sorts of garments for people. People that at this point are not that... Um, affluent but he's still getting enough money to start his own business so he opens up a shop at number 10 bruton street mm-hmm. um which is uh in mayfair very close to where the queen was born it's actually yeah, it's on the same street directly opposite isn't it almost well no this one is on the same side number 10 oh, okay, okay. later on he purchases a house opposite right so 10 bruton street is on the same side Um, And he pays for this with the help of his father, his sister, and also a very well-known cousin called William Hartnell. Oh. Does his name ring any ding-dongs? It does ring ding-dongs, absolutely. Um, Yes. Oh, God, I don't want to sound like a complete idiot. Doctor Who? Oh, God, yes. Yes. The bells are ringing at St Paul's, Westminster Abbey and even Southwark Cathedral. I was, I was kind of going, I think that's Doctor Who. <laughs> it is. He was the first ever Doctor Who. So yeah. he was the, the second cousin, the second cousin of um, Norman Hartnell. Um, now, in terms of his style, he was very well known for the detail, for the embroidery. He would kind of create these romantic uh, gowns and dresses featuring lots of flowers and different designs. And they'd just be seriously intricate, Um, inspired by flapper girls, the bright young things of the 1930s. Wow, it's such a great look, that, isn't it? With all the... Really is. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love is when it was quiet and, you know, there there wasn't really kind of uh, people that were going out to balls or, you know, at certain times of the year when it gets a bit slow, he embroidered cards for clients. So you'd get a little card in the post that had been embroidered with Ooh. like a little flower or something to say, um, you know, I hope you're well. Um, remember, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at his little kind of sample, really. <laughs> um, he would also create practical clothes. So... 
he will create gowns for court presentations, um, society weddings and things like this. But he'd also create practical day clothes, which had a bit of a, a bit of a, a kind of a, not a saucy twist, but it allowed I women... love the little shimmy you're doing now on video. I don't know if you can see it, but she's, she's getting all saucy. <laughs> I'm getting all kind of, you know, getting my ketchup on. Um, <laughs> um, but he would create practical day clothes where a woman would feel fantastic and feel, you know, really feminine. Um, and one of his admirers was actually Coco Chanel. Oh, hello. Hello, Coco, who took keen interest um, in his work in the 1920s when he would take his collections to Paris and, you know, do these massive shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and it's not too long after where, as I say, he purchases the house opposite. And actually today you can go into the building and it's known to be kind of like one of the earliest examples of pre-war commercial design, if you like. Um, It was designed by a gentleman who I've personally never heard of before until I was researching this, but Gerald Lacoste. Oh, him! (laughs) Do you know him? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Um, And his workroom, his embroidery workroom was the largest in London. Um, And actually that continued until his death. So it's a huge Embroidery is such an incredible skill as well. I recently went to um, go and see an an embroidery workshop uh, at a company that still exists, whose name I'm desperately struggling to remember, um, which I will come up with and insert here. Alex, you pea-brained idiot. It was hand and lock. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it's so intricate and so detailed and skill. uh, I was just amazing. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Now, his first kind of big break, if you like, was in 1935. And this is where, you know, he gets a bit of a tap on the shoulder by a member of the royal family. And this is um, the Duchess of Gloucester, Princess Alice. Okay. Now, this is 1935, and she is um, due to get married, and she wants Norman Hartnell to create her wedding dress along with the bridesmaid dresses for Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. So, Princess Alice, once she was married, she basically became our current queen's uh, aunt. Yep. Mm. So, very close. Um, but at the time, uh, just before the wedding, her father died. So the wedding that was going to be absolutely huge at Westminster Abbey was completely scaled back. And Norman felt that his dress really kind of didn't get the limelight that he he really wanted. Oh, okay. However, I mean, people still noted, uh, noted her dress and, you know, questioned who on earth created it. So it certainly put him on the map. People, people were still looking. Yeah, exactly. But not not as much as I think he wanted. I guess the amount of effort that you put into a dress, especially when it's for a member of the royal family. Especially when it's embroidered as well, my goodness. Yeah. Um, just as a little side note, Princess Alice died at the age of 102. Epic. The women, they build them strong in that family, don't they? They do, they do. Um, I've just brought up a picture of uh, Princess Alice's uh, wedding dress and it is amazing isn't it although her photos she does look very depressed in them which i guess is uh i is guess that's the, the, with... the 1930s though isn't it it's kind well, of it like, is, but it's know... also i suppose that the, the mood she's going for really with uh you know her dad having died yes true yes obviously she can't celebrate too much she is uh, a little bit in mourning there i think yeah gosh 
Now, he then started to um, to dress glamorous stars for the silver screen, including people like Elizabeth Taylor, uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor <laughs> and Vivian Lee. So he's hanging around in fantastic circles. He's going to wonderful parties. And although he sounds like a very extravagant person, he was actually very, very shy and also had a bit of a, a secret life, which I will come to shortly. Um, and also later gets an award, gets a royal warrant and was the yeah. first designer at the time to receive a royal warrant. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And that was from the Queen, the Queen's mother. Oh, right. Okay. So the Queen yeah. Mum, as we, yeah, as we know her. Yeah, the Queen Mum. Yeah. Um, and that is because he designed quite a few outfits for the Queen's mother, for the Queen Mum. Um, for instance, he made her maid of honour gown for the coronation of her husband, King George VI. Mm-hmm. And the following year, he designed her looks for Paris, um, and when she went on to, you know, various kind of outings and going to various countries, he would make her outfits. And actually, when she went to Paris, he had to quickly change all of the outfits and all of the designs because her mother had just died. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so I know there's a bit, of a, a, <laughs> a bit of a theme going on here. Um, so um, all of the outfits kind of had to change to reflect that. And you would think, oh, you know, were all the outfits kind of black? But he actually chose white, which has origins in French royal history. Mm. Um so yeah so then continued as i say to design outfits for her when she went on tour to north america to canada really putting his name on the map wow and the queen's queen's mum she wasn't very well known for being the tallest woman no she was quite wee wasn't she bless her yeah, she was quite wee she's quite short but the way that he designed his outfits kind of gave her height um, dependable on like the length of the coat and the length of the skirt it kind yeah. of lifted her Trixie designer designer things that they can do to yeah exactly alter how bodies look it's quite amazing really yeah and around her clothes she would have um, a detail around the neck there would be trimmings of fur around the sides um, her evening wear would be embroidered with sequins and glass ooh yeah, so you can imagine it just shining and just... I can imagine it being really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, how much glass are we talking? Right. Who is this walking chandelier? Oh, it's Queen Elizabeth. Um, uh, he also brought back something known as a crinoline. Now, do you know oh. what a crinoline is? Yeah, they are the big sort of hooped skirts. Oh, well that, done. Um, uh, well, I, I like my fashion history, I do. Um, and in fact, there's one, there's, there is a fashion bit of history that I'm hoping to do at some point should the opportunity um, arise. But yeah, they're, they're the kind of the big hoop skirts that that go underneath the, the, the overskirt, if that makes sense. Yeah, bang on. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a stiff kind of structure yeah. um, petticoat design. And years oh. ago, they would design them out of uh, whale bones, um, horse hair, all sorts of different things. So he brought that back. So you have a really kind of like, if you're wearing a dress, uh, an, a fitting top, mm. and then it kind of just, just goes out, which yeah. is kind of style that Queen Victoria would have favoured. Yeah. 
Now, as we reach the 1940s and World War II, there are uh, restrictions. So you've got rationing not just on food, but with um, materials, with fabric, with buttons, fastenings, um, all sorts of components that you need to put a dress and put an outfit together. Um, But clients still thankfully came to him they ordered new clothes with the restrictions. So, you know, suddenly people are wearing things that are a lot more simple. So it's not doing as many uh, embroidered patterns. Mm. Um, or they had clothes altered. So they would bring in their kind of their wardrobe and he would change it, yeah. which is something that he also applied to the Queen at the time, which was the Queen's mum. Well, it's the classic make do and mend, isn't it, from the uh, from the wartime? That yeah, was the, exactly. That was the, and the, the slogan. The, the Queen's mum, she would go around to areas that had been bombed heavily and you could tell that she was wearing the same outfit that she'd worn before, but there was just something a bit different, maybe the collar or um, the change at the bottom or just something that you could yeah. tell has been altered. And I think actually, not too long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, when it was announced that the royal family suddenly didn't have as much money anymore and the queen was going around in a few altered garments. I don't Good know if her. you remember. Good for her. Yeah. She does, she does do that a bit, doesn't she? She does mm. um, re-wear stuff, which is good because ultimately, you know, not doing that is a massive ecological impact. But hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was also commissioned to design women's uniforms for the British Army, which oh. quite a few designers did. I mean, you think about kind of Burberry and these big names mm, yeah, that designed absolutely. all sorts of jackets and and things for people to wear on the front line. Um, and he would go on to design uniforms for nurses, uh, female officers in the City of London Police Force, Metropolitan Police Force. Um, it's around this time when he's creating um, the uniforms that the lift girls would wear in Selfridges. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's getting his name basically everywhere. Good for him. Yes. Um, now we move on to the Queen Mother's daughter, who, of course, is our current queen. And she has her wedding dress designed by Norman Hartnell. Which was beautiful. So beautiful. So this kind of had like a sweetheart neckline, they call it. Mm-hmm. Full skirt, 10,000 seed pearls and thousands of white little beads. Gorgeous. Really, really beautiful. And as you said at the start, he also designed her coronation dress, mm-hmm. which uh, basically mimics what she wore on her wedding day. It has the same kind of neckline, the same kind of skirt, but it incorporates embroidery um, of the United Kingdom, the Commonwealth count- countries. And... Um, he actually made so many designs for it and he remembers like having a conversation with uh, Elizabeth at the time who was about to become queen and you know she said that she wants it to be the uh, quite similar to what she wore on her wedding day but the material should be white satin now did you happen to see it because a couple of years ago when they opened Buckingham Palace in the summer they had the coronation dress on show and I'm trying to remember if they had the wedding dress as well I I feel like they did but I'm not 100% sure about it but I I vividly remember the coronation dress and it was 
out of this world. It was so beautiful. Mm. Did you get a chance to see it? No, but I've seen lots of pictures, and I think oh. that they had also um, a Norman Hartnell exhibition at the V&A, mm, they um, did. which yeah, also sadly, which but... which had it, which had those on display, and also yeah. had the designs on display of all the different um, kind of designs that he did for her to choose from. Yeah, that I mean that that coronation dress, coronation well, it's not a robe, yeah, coronation dress is just. I mean, it's gorgeous. And for a lot of it, she was wearing a robe over the top, so you didn't get to see a lot of the detail during the the ceremony. But yeah, up close, it is, it's exquisite. It really is. Yeah, very true. And this is where Norman kind of like dives into the tradition and history of the coronation dress. So he visited uh, the London Museum, he visited London libraries, he leafed through all sorts of kind of historical archives that would maybe give him some inspiration. Um, and his home, he had a couple of homes, one of which was up in Windsor, which is where he spent most of his time doing these trial sketches for the coronation gown. And he he said he basically just could not stop thinking about heraldic symbols, floral designs, lilies, roses, corn, altercloths, sacred vestments the sky, the earth, the moon, I guess anything that you think could be historical, linked to the monarchy, things that, you know, a queen should wear. I Um, regularly have the same problem. I often can't stop thinking about the same things. (laughs) Gosh, yes, absolutely. Lilies, roses, corn, earth, sun. There are Um, days when all I can think about is heraldic symbols. Um. So he created, in the end, nine different designs to show her. Gosh. And uh, he adored the last one that he designed, but obviously he didn't tell her that. He wasn't like, oh, just to let you know, the last one's my favourite. <laughs> um, so just to kind of run through, just briefly, the first one was quite simple. Remember, they're all kind of white, made out of white satin because yeah. that is, that's what she wanted. Um, it was quite simple. There were embroidered sections, but only along the edge, right. around the bodice and around the skirt's hem. The second design was a little bit more modern, um, a bit more slimly fitting and embroidered in gold Ooh, and okay. bordered with black and white ermine tails. Oh, okay. The third was with the crinoline dress, which we know is this kind of big wooden kind of hoop underneath your dress. So it kind of fans out a little bit. It'd be tricky um, to sit on the throne in that though, wouldn't it? It would. So I think, do that, think straight, that straight away she thought... Puff straight to the front and then you're yeah. in the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not made for sitting down really. No. So this was um, encrusted with silver lace and sewn with crystals and diamonds. Mm. The fourth was, um, it kind of had a theme of Madonna and you had these kind of little pendant pearls coming off the bottom. So I guess when she walked, it would have kind of like, I don't know, just <laughs> like, like, a, like a little disco outfit. Like a little disco outfit, yeah. <laughs> like a little kind of walk-in lampshade. Um, the fifth introduced a little bit more colour, colour of violets, um, purples, rubies. You had little red roses that glittered and mingled in kind of like this uh, little topaz design. There was a lot going on with the fifth one. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> it was like a drag um, outfit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the sixth had spreading branches of oak leaves. Acorns, silver thread, uh, silver crystals, 
copper metals. <laughs> it was. Wow. I think she would have like just shone. There was like golden leaves that glistened. <laughs> and apparently, this one did meet approval, um, but not completely. Uh, the seventh. I kind of love the queen sitting there going, "Nope, nope, nope." <laughs> Too many rubies. Get out. I would never wear this. <laughs> Norman slap. Um, the seventh introduced Tudor Rose of England. Yeah. And each bloom was padded and puffed in gold tissue against a white gloss of satin. Sounds a bit much. <laughs> does isn't it yeah and it also had kind of like looped fringes of golden crystals just yeah, yeah a lot yeah. um the ape sketch um was one that it had different symbols and emblems of Great Britain. So you had the Tudor Rose, you had the Thistle of Scotland, the Shamrock of Ireland, and at the time, the Daffodil, which he thought was the national emblem of Wales. Ah, nice. Yeah, exactly. So she said that, um, the Queen said, I really like this design. I like the direction you're going in terms of, um, you know, really kind of showcasing the connection of the country. Um, but you have to do a leak. So he was like, God, a leak. It just doesn't seem right to have a leak on your dress. So he tried to look at different leaks and transform it into something that was beautiful. Um, And in the end, he went for a design that she chose, which was the last one that had Tudor Rose for England, Thistle for Scotland, Leak for Wales, Shamrock of Ireland, the Wattle of Australia, so we've now got the Commonwealth involved as well, the Maple Leaf for Canada, the Fern for New Zealand, Protea for South Africa, Lotus Flowers for both India and Ceylon, um, and Wheat, Cotton and Jute for Pakistan. Interesting. Yeah, and you can see all those details, but they are... They're they're not kind of blingy, purpley red. They are... They're subtle, but they're there. Yeah. And something that was hidden that the Queen didn't actually know about was a little four-leaf clover, and that was added to the left of her dress, uh, dress just where her hand would brush throughout the day. Oh, okay. So I don't know if she noticed at the time or maybe later because she did wear this dress on many occasions a good handful of occasions on 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 different times interesting yeah i mean so i guess four leaf clover just purely for luck i suppose yeah well it seems to have worked doesn't it because she's still going well exactly still going strong and is there any way that we can see those designs those uh, different versions um i don't know where i don't know where the sketches are now they do still exist um, I'll try and put some up on the Instagram this yeah. week, but because yeah, I'm not sure if they're on show anywhere though, which is mm. disappointing. Yeah, they're probably in the Royal Archive or something, aren't they? Yeah, I would expect so. They've got to be somewhere. Mm. Um, so then he went on to design the wedding dress for Princess Margaret, and even though um, he died or he was dead at this point which i will kind of come to um princess beatrice quite recently Mm. she wore a wedding dress which was made for queen elizabeth by norman hartnell yeah and she had it um, rejigged didn't she to Mm. um it was quite it it was quite nice actually it it looked quite i mean obviously it was vintage but it had a sort of quite a vintage air to it didn't it it was lovely it was a kind of off-white wasn't it It yeah 
It's quite lacy. Lots of yeah, detail. Really beautiful. Mm. Surprisingly beautiful for her, actually. Oh! Well, she doesn't always make the best fashion choices. Oh, um, you've heard it here first. Oh, the claws are out. The claws oh, are out. Oh, gosh. Bloody um, hell. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was rather nice. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, I mentioned he had um, a bit of a... A bit of a secret life. Um, I mean, he was very successful. And, you know, from the outside of things, you would think, gosh, he must have so much money. But he was in debt for most of his life. Really? Yeah, he was. Um, in terms of running a business, he found it quite hard and and spent so much money on on the materials, on the diamonds. And in terms of the markup and getting enough profit... He didn't didn't really kind of get that balance. Interesting. And so many people that he worked for, uh, sorry, so many people that worked for him would try and tell him, but he was just kind of blind to it and would just do what he wanted to do. Right. Plus, he had somebody that worked with him who was uh, an ex-soldier called George Mitchison. And George Mitchison was also his secret lover. Okay. And I say secret lover because um, he was homosexual, but this is around the time when he feels like um, he can't really be himself. He can't well, really tell evil. people this. Exactly. And plus he's working for, you know, the, the royal family and he doesn't want to bruise his career at all. So he's having to kind of keep that under wraps and having this relationship with this man who was also married um, and this man, George Mitchison, was apparently quite controlling. He would tell Norman Hartnell how to run his business, but he had this kind of sexual hold over him, I guess. Mm, wow. And there was a time, I think it was like in the 1960s, when he found out he was going to be on This Is Your Life. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you remember This Is Your Life? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. With the big red book. Yeah. For those people who don't remember it, it yeah, you'd... you'd... They'd go into a studio and they'd be told they were doing something else. They'd get surprised with the big red book of their life and they'd bring all you know people who were linked to them throughout their life. You'd have to hope. I've always thought this, that you'd have to hope that whoever it was you were bringing back, you, they still had good relationship with them. Yeah, you exactly. You'd be like, oh my God. feud that had gone on. You'd be like, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't seen this person for 10 years and there's a, and reason, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, but, but he basically he found out he was going to be on it and, and and denied it. He said he doesn't want to go on because he didn't want kind of things coming out the closet, I guess, and yeah, and questions being asked. Um, and he also did like to wear ladies' clothes, and he called himself Miss Kitty. Oh. And this, um, you can find all this kind of information, all the details around this, um, in the biography. Right. the autobiography which is called Crown and Scepter and it talks about how um, one of his members of staff went into the office because she suddenly thought well maybe I haven't locked the safe and she looked down the hall and saw one of the doors were was ajar and saw what she thought was uh, a fitting going on because she saw this huge dress being worn mm. and as she walked down she could see that actually it was Norman Hartnell in the dress right. and um Apparently, he used to do this. He used to, um, you know, get excited about putting on these big dresses that he would make especially for him. And a lot of his staff would say, gosh, you know, these um, these measurements are a little bit strange. 
because even though Norman Hartnell, he wasn't, you know, the tallest man, the measurements would still be, you know, pretty big, um, bigger than they would be used to if they were designing something for a woman. So, um, yeah, he had this this secret life, this this name, Miss Kitty. I always find that so tragic that you know we look back at people who, for whom now, uh, they would it would be totally, you know, nobody would blink at it. it they could be exactly who they wanted to be, and it's so tragic to look back at people in history who have not been able to be what they be and they, uh, who they are, and and they have to hide it. And mm. and oh yeah, it's so tragic. But I mean, I suppose, I suppose at least he's in the right industry to be able to do that for himself. Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if he, you know, ever kind of opened up to certain people. Like you can imagine Princess Margaret and him kind of sitting down and having a, having a conversation. Oh, I reckon Mags would have been fine with all that. Yeah, (laughs) she would have been like, put on my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, anyway, he starts to get quite ill in his uh, latter part of his life and he ends up dying he dies in 1979 and he dies in a, a huge amount of debt so the amount that he's done with his life he actually doesn't have too much too much to end with that's so sad I know yeah and, and how his, old was he when he died so 1979 he was born in uh, 1901 so 70 78 yeah, 78. And he is buried in um, the Clayton Church, graveyard of Clayton Church, West Sussex. Okay. And he's buried there with his mother and sister. Lovely. Um, and if you go, if you are wanting to look for, you know, a blue plaque that dedicates him, then there is one on um, the building where he had his his office in Mayfair yeah, on Bruce and it, it? yeah and it actually says Norman Hartnell you can't miss it and that blue plaque was unveiled in 2005 I think yeah yeah and does his company still exist in any is there still you know because obviously you have designers whose companies go on even after they die is there still a Norman Hartnell does the company so there has been a design company which has taken his name. Yeah. So they design garments which are, I guess, or you'd think that they were pretty similar to his style to continue that, to continue that name and that yeah. brand. And do they still uh, design for the royal family? I don't know about that. I don't think so. And I guess when it comes to the royal family these days, especially with the new generation... They have their different designers. They're more kind of, I guess, up-to-date designers, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends that, that you've got designers who will do the big um, sort of ceremonial stuff and, and the uh, the embroiderers who I went to see, whose name I will have inserted into the podcast by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, they, you know, they still do stuff for... At the royal family and that's kind of quite a, a, i guess you'd call it well i say old-fashioned they of course update themselves and and you know what they do now is is incredible but there's still a very traditional part of that which is used for ceremonial stuff so no there will still be designers that are more let's say kind of classic but yeah you're, you're mm. right in terms of general day-to-day wear i suppose there might be there'd be more modern designers that people would use but mm. um you know designers change don't they as well they do so there you go, bit of Norman Hartnell for you. Fantastic, thank you so much. Welcome. What a great story. And it's so sad, isn't it, that that he's not allowed to be who he is. Because mm. um, dying in 1979, that would be, you know, before the real sort of, um, the major leaps forward in, in 
uh, people being accepted for who they are and that kind of thing. Definitely. Great story. I, mean, what I bet he felt though? fabulous. I mean, because designing all these wonderful clothes yeah. and then, you know, getting that opportunity to kind of design something for himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Podcast pedestal. Yeah. Right, so we need to decide podcast pedestal toppers, don't we? Yes. I think I know what I'm going to go for. If I'm allowed to go first, I don't know. You are. Gonna, I, I, tend to like, go, no, I tend to you. go first all the time, but go on, you can go first. Well, I'm, I, I quite like the uh, the Princess Alice tapping him on the shoulder and being like, oi, oi, want to make me a dress? Oh, so really? Oh, I think okay. that, that for me, that's the kind of the turning point from, well, I was sort of tempted to go with the footlights because that's the point where he starts getting recognition. But I think for me, it's the Princess Alice thing of her tapping him on the shoulder and going, do you want to do my dress? And yeah, he didn't quite get the um, the eyes on that he wanted for that. Um, but that was the sort of the first foray into becoming a royal mm. designer. So for me, that's the that's the that's crux the crux, the crux yeah. of the story. Absolutely. Um, what about you? Well, that's a very good one. Uh, there are a couple of things I'd like to go for. So one of them would be the leak. I quite like the idea that oh, that's a good yeah. That he's thinking, you know, this is for the coronation dress. Like, it just doesn't seem right to have a leak on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also tempted by brown cow wallpaper. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I, I mean, that's a, definitely a kind for. of crux moment. <laughs> just annoy your child so much with what's on his walls that he can't take it, and he goes and, <laughs> he goes and design his own. And I guess the yeah. parents out there, just yeah, put up some pretty hideous wallpaper, and your child yeah. will be. A, uh, a designing genius. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go for brown cow wallpaper. Brown cow wallpaper. All right. So, there we the go. so we've got brown cow wallpaper and the Princess Alice commission uh, or Princess Alice dress or whatever we want to say for that. Gosh, that was really quick, Alex. I know. I was actually very decisive this week. Wow. Well very done. Decisive. Go us. <laughs> Normally I can't. I have like five sort of swimming around my head and I can't pick. But this week I was like, nope, Princess Alice. That's what we're going for. Perfect. Amazing. Lovely. And have you got any anything coming up? Anything you're doing? Yeah, my walking tours are starting back on the 1st of May and I can't wait. Um, and I've got dates through till about the mid to late June at the moment. So uh, it'll be weekends only. Um, Saturdays and Sundays, usually mornings, but some afternoons. They are all up there. Go and have a little look. And we've started the virtual tour series now as well. So if you want to come in on a virtual tour, we did Curious Camden uh, on Sunday. And this week we are going, I can't remember without without looking. It's either Bermondsey or Bankside, one of the bees. Alex, you pea brain, it's Bankside. One um, of the bees. One of the bees. Um, so yeah, that is, but yeah, it's, it's great. I'm so excited about getting out there and, and working again. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants to as well, there is, um, I do have a newsletter which goes out once a week uh, with details about stuff that's coming up and things I've been doing and other stuff around London. So if anybody wants to go and do that on my website, um, there is a bit where you can sign up to the newsletter and it's a little thing every week, bit of London inspiration and bits and pieces. 
what are you up to um Apart so going on holiday uh, <laughs> so uh, myself and the London Tour Group, we've got some walking tours up, ready to roll now. So yes, if you fancy doing some walking tours, have a little look at the London Tour Group. Go to a tour shop and you'll see the list. We've got quite quite a few things on there. Um, and also I've, st- I've st- still got... <laughs> Every week for the past like four weeks, I'm like, hey, remember? <laughs> on the 24th. In, it's in December. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, it's this Saturday. So this Yay. is the last time I'm going to go on about it until I do another one. So uh, <laughs> this Saturday, two o'clock, hour and a half, £10, absolute bargain. It's in an English country garden. So if you want some tips on which fantastic gardens in England you should go to when things start fully opening up again, come on my virtual tour. Um, and you can book that at thelondontourgroup.com. Amazing. Amazing. The Wheel of Destiny. Right. It's that time of the week again. Whoa, it get is the, the wheel. wheel out. Get the wheel out. <laughs> the Wheel of Destiny. Um, <laughs> it's my pick, isn't it, next week? It is. Cool. Well, I've I have a little list as always, but I'm starting to run towards low towards the bottom of the list. I'm gonna have to fill it up again with ideas. Um, so let's go for it. Got right, off we go. And it's landed in oh Green Park. Green Park. We have not had a Green Park. Uh, I don't think we have actually, have we? No. No Green Park. Uh, okay, I do have one, uh, happily, against Green Park, actually, um, which is now just on the edge of Green Park, we have Spencer House. And a, I mean, there's a whole variety of famous people who have belonged to the Spencer family, Princess Diana, Winston Churchill. Um, but I'm going to go somewhere slightly different. I'm going to go for uh, Georgina, Duchess of Devonshire. Oh, she sounds fantastic. It is great. If you've ever seen the film The Duchess, Mm. uh, that is her story. Uh, But we're going to be digging into that a little bit uh, next week. So, yeah, Georgiana Duchess of Devonshire is my pick. Lovely. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, there we go. That's it for this week, team. Thank you all so much for coming along. I hope you enjoyed a bit of Norman Hartnell loveliness. And we will see you next week for some Georgiana chat looking forward to it and remember to vote the poll is going to go up for our podcast yes. pedestal on instagram on my instagram alex's instagram and Usually the joint on instagram unless, Usually on Sunday, unless i forget i only forgot once but you never <laughs> let me forget that <laughs> um uh yes so please come and vote and if you're not on instagram and you just want to send us a little message or an email then please do brilliant yay all right lovelies we will see you next week Stay safe, stay sane, and uh, have a great week. Bye, everyone. Bye.